One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm Seb Patrick, and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies is... James Hentz. Uh Yes, so Joe is still away um, on honeymoon. In fact, he's away at both the time that we're recording this, and probably he'll still be away by the time you're listening to it as well. Um, back before Joe originally went away, our plan was to do two full pre-recorded episodes, and you'll already have heard the Batman Returns one that we put out last week. Um, but we didn't get around to recording a second one before he left, so um, in its place we're going to do this bonus episode this week, and we may get another bonus episode in next week before he returns to do his comic book review catch-up um, in early September. And what we thought we'd do for this uh, bonus episode was to catch up on some news, because I don't think we've covered any news at all in August, have we? Um, because I think Suicide Squad was right at the start of the month, yep. which obviously <laughs> didn't have news on it because we go straight into doing the film. Um, and then we had uh, some minisodes and the uh, Batman episode, which because it was a pre-record, we, we didn't get to do any news either. Um, but over... August there has been a reasonable amount of major comic book TV and movie news um, even just in the past week or so um, there's been a fair bit so we thought it was about time we caught up with some of that gave you our thoughts and gave you some context around things that you may not be aware of if you didn't already know um, also we've had it suggested to us by a listener that um, maybe we could take the opportunity while Joe's away to recommend some comics that we wouldn't necessarily get around to recommending in relation to a movie so obviously there are loads of comics out there that we love that that may not ever have a movie that in some way relates to them so um, towards the end of this podcast we're going to do a little recommendation section um, obviously they're not things that we're telling Joe to go and read although if he wants to he's welcome to and we could spin another minnesota out of that in a quiet week um but it's just yeah it's just a chance for us to talk about a couple of comics that we probably wouldn't otherwise have, have been able to talk about on the podcast um but before we do that let's rattle through a whole bunch of news and to start with i think we'll look over at tv or more specifically internet tv um <laughs> with the news that hulu um the u.s based subscription streaming service um, have ordered a pilot for an adaptation of Runaways. Um, James, do you want to tell us a bit about what Runaways is? Uh, so, when did it start? Like, sort of early noughties superhero comic by Brian K. Vaughan, who went on to write for things like Lost and... Uh, what, else did he, what else did he do after Lost? 
Uh, are you talking just in just TV? Or just in, in TV, comics? yeah, because he oh, was okay. quite a big. Uh, he's quite a big TV writer, isn't he? These days. Um, I don't know what else he's done in in TV. Um, I think. Oh no, he did. Um, he also created. Well, I don't know if he created, but he was showrunner of Under the Dome, um, which <laughs> uh, yeah. I think sank without trace. Uh, yeah, but yeah, like he's done a bunch of popular comics as well. He did um, Why the Last Man and Paper. Why the Last Man, Ex Machina. Um, obviously, Saga is his big one. That's yeah. You know, the Private Eye. Is that, that, is that Image's the... top selling title at the moment? Saga? Quite possibly. Yeah, it it's may well be. Got to be like Saga or Weekday or something, isn't it? Yeah, and he's recently launched. Oh no! no well, no, hang on. Uh, Walking Dead's probably Image's biggest. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, uh, not cap. That's a, that's an outlier anyway. Um, but yeah, and yeah, and he's recently launched Paper Girls. I mean, he is sort of. I mean, he he had dabbled in superhero stuff for a while. Like he he did um, some Ultimate X Men, and he did I did he did a Spider Man Doctor Octopus thing around at the time of Spider Man. One of the many Doctor Octopus related comics that you mentioned <laughs> were coming out around the time of Spider Man too. Um, but yeah, I mean, ever since moving into first at Wildstorm with X Machina and and Vertigo with Why the Last Man, he's kind of been a and then over to Image, he's been like probably the biggest name indie comics writer if you can call it indie when he when his stuff sells as much as it does but in terms of publishers you know outside marvel and dc i mean he's he's someone whose name will sell a new launch in a way that maybe nobody else but mark miller or robert kirkman probably would Mm -hmm. so uh but runaways yeah was what kind of one of his early successes um yeah at, at marvel uh 2003 it was actually i thought it was about 2001 uh, but it was 2003. In fact, I've realised um, that I wrote about it quite recently from the uh, Panini things that I do, <laughs> and so I should have remembered that detail more specifically. Uh, but they they did a short-lived imprint called Tsunami, which was them trying it was, to. Appeal it wasn't even to... like an imprint, though, was it? It was like a. It was just like it... it was more of a marketing initiative. Like the books went branded Tsunami. It was just a kind of umbrella term. I think very briefly they were. It's just that like. It lasted for such a short time, and stuff like Runaways came out of it and and outlasted it. But I think, like, I think it, I think it was technically an imprint when it started because I think they were publishing it in the digest format, weren't they? Um, which was kind of aimed at. They the... were, yeah, they were certainly collecting it in the digest format because mm. so... yeah, it was aimed at young readers. So yeah, like the the concept of Runaways was that a bunch of teenage kids discover that their parents were super villains and decide to run away. Like hence the name. Yeah, they're they're, they're not a band with Joan Jett in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you read it at the time? I didn't read it at the time. Um, I remember borrowing a collection of it off somebody a, f- a few years ago. So quite a while after. Um, I can't remember if I got as far as reading because the other I think the other prominent thing about it was that Joss Whedon um did a run on yeah, it. Yeah, he did six um, six issues. Which yeah, which I get the impression actually surprisingly for a Joss Whedon thing and surprisingly given the target audience of the original run. I think Whedon's run actually didn't go down super well with fans of Vaughn's run. Um, but yeah, I don't think I got as far as that. I think I read maybe one or two volumes of it, but I certainly, I wasn't really aware of it at the time that it was coming. Yeah. Out. I mean, I, um, I picked it up when they published like the massive oversized hardcovers cause it had obviously it got like massive word of mouth. So they hmm. promoted it hard and did a second season of it and everything. And I think the, the Whedon stuff was the last thing I read. Like hmm. I was never like, even though I was buying it in that like stupid expensive format. 
Like I was never that into it. Like I ended up selling those books on like probably, mm. probably close to 10 years ago now. Like I, I just, it is the kind of book that you can imagine. Um, and what it reminds me of in terms of having a similar audience as well would probably be the original, um, young Avengers run. Like mm. if you're a certain yeah. age that it catches you at just the right time, it's good you're gonna be completely obsessed with it in terms of like what it's like and the characters that it's about and the way that it focuses on those characters and what it does with them like i mean it is it's a very character driven thing and a very sort of you know you know teenagers discovering themselves kind of thing except you know they just happen to have kind of crazy powers or or in one case be friends with a dinosaur (laughs) um you know I, i i mean i can totally get why it's got a fan base that is very ardent about it um but yeah i don't know how much crossover appeal it has beyond that audience and i think that's why like even though there are people who will talk about it so favorably and remember it so fondly it's not really been something that's been like a sustained brand that marvel could ever really do anything else with yeah like the characters kind of got scattered around different properties in the end like Mm. that that's the thing they're all good characters it's just i like the plot itself was very it was kind of very trad superhero and not in an original way like i just mm. it felt like i mean it felt like the kind of tv show that they're presumably going to make which is that just something mm. i was already too old for when it <laughs> when it was coming out so well, yeah, so this, this pilot is, is coming from um, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, who created Gossip Girl, Chuck, and The O.C. So, <laughs> so I mean, that's the that's the sort of ballpark for the for the runaway show, which suggests which, to me I'm yeah. probably not going to like it that much. <laughs> no, I mean, again, it put it puts you in mind of, of Young Avengers as well, sort of with, with Alan Heinberg having done Young Avengers coming off The O.C. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, if if you were to suggest somebody who could do a version of Runaways that would appeal to Runaways original audience, that seems to be fairly strongly in in um, in that wheel arch. Yeah. Um, apparently, there was actually a script for a movie kicking around from Drew Pierce. Um, I don't know if that is in any way being used or playing into this. Yeah, or I mean, he separate. he wrote that before doing Iron Man three. I mean, that was the mm. film that was the thing that got marvel's attention uh, like he had a no runaway i'm not extent. sure it might have even been a spec script but they okay they got him off the back of that and put him on iron man 3 so i mean we're going to do as... no heroics on the podcast we probably should shouldn't yeah we? we probably should that would be good yeah. no, not that anybody can really watch it but or can uh, watch it we should we should yeah we should cover it anyway, yeah but anyway yeah, yeah drew pierce we are we are fans of drew pierce yeah so like part of me would have preferred to see that but, you know, not everything has to be just for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, one thing that I do wonder is that apparently um, they've announced, I think they announced that there would be six characters in it. And I wonder if there'll be the original six, because part of me just thinks like, how are you going to do a dinosaur on a TV budget and not have it look horrendous? <laughs> yeah. And they have, and they have said that they are going to have Gert and Old Lace. Oh, they have they definitely said that then. No, I'm I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. I'm not sure. I just okay. I assume they will do the original six lineup. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, like I'm looking forward to seeing Nico because Nico's my favourite character out of that bunch. Molly is a great character. Chase and Alex, I could barely tell apart. Hmm. I wonder actually because isn't there at least one mutant in there? Mo- yeah, Molly's a mutant. That's a good point. Yeah, so I just wonder if that'll have an effect. Um, I always kind of, in terms of where I framed it, I always kind of thought of Runaways as being kind of an X book anyway. Um, but you know, obviously it's not. Then you know they're not X Men characters, and I, they're not all mutants. But um, I think it's I think it's maybe partly because around maybe partly because Joss Whedon wrote it, wrote some of it, and partly because around that time, like X Men would have been I think where you would have seen new books and concepts that were intended to appeal to teenagers you know yeah. that's that's where marvel were pushing some kind of i'm thinking of things like mix and stuff like that yeah well tsunami um, like there was at least i can't remember if mix was a tsunami book but certainly sentinel was one of them mm. uh, and that was definitely an x-men thing so I, I guess our line on this then is that it, it it could potentially be interesting and seems like the right hands for the property, but we ourselves may not be super interested in it because we're old guys and it's not really <laughs> for us. Yeah, I hope it does well. Like it's a it's a book with a very devoted following, um, and I hope they can translate it to TV. I mean, it's the thing that I find strange is that it's on Hulu, so it's going to be kind of off on a its own. It's going to be like Supergirl was on CBS. It's going to be sort of off in its own mm. island of continuity, presumably. Um, like, people get really hit up about the MCU's TV links being quite weak, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah. Yeah, presumably this, this won't be a part of anything like that. I mean, it could... In- I mean, is it is it Marvel Studios in any way, or...? Uh, yeah it's marvel tv like jeff Loeb's looking after it so theoretically it will be in with all that but mm. at the same time i'll be very surprised if you get much in the way of like crossovers or mm. references or anything um well we'll keep an eye on that one um moving over to movies and there has apparently been a short list of potential captain marvel directors leaked um so i guess this is kind of pinch of salt territory um but three <laughs> women who have all been linked with directing the film um are nikki caro who um has it, I, i'm looking at james's notes here and he's put a bunch of films i've never heard of um <laughs> just looking up if if she's done anything yeah i was researching her and she uh she did a film called the whale ride oh called whale rider sorry Hmm. a couple of years ago which the mary sue said had already previously identified as one of their top 50 female directed films to watch so i mean she's obviously got the credentials but i looked at her cv and just nothing jumped out at me as familiar yeah um, Leslie Linker Glatter, who has directed a whole bunch of TV, including episodes of Mad Men, um, also Heroes and Homeland. Um, She's I done mean, like Mad- every like every major yeah. <laughs> TV. Like if anyone was ready to cross over into feature directing, it's here. Um, and you know, Mad Men is always um, very stylish. Directed. Yep. She apparently she did uh, the episode "A Guy Walks Into an Ad Agency," which I don't remember. Okay. But sounds good. Yeah. No, that was. Um, it's the one with the lawnmower. The guy walks into an advertising oh, really? agency. It's it's yeah. It's one of the. So it's, it's yeah. One it's one of the best of episodes then. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that potentially bodes well. 
Um, Lorena Scafaria, um, who wrote rather than directed Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, uh, a film which stars previous podcast stars Michael Cera and Kat Dennings, <laughs> and is one of those films that I feel like I shouldn't have liked because it's it should be an annoying indie comedy that's really kind of self-consciously quirky. And I remember quite enjoying it when I watched it. And I don't know how much of that was just to do with the fact that it had Kat Dennings in it, but I, I do actually remember quite enjoying that film. Yeah, I had exactly the same thing. I was like, this could be irritating, but the leads are really engaging, so it works just on that level. I mean, yeah. my hope is that she will do Captain Marvel and then because she's got previous with Kat Dennings Darcy will be <laughs> in Captain Marvel because like there's easy ways to get her in like she was an intern for an astrophysicist yeah like why wouldn't she be in there if, if Captain Marvel was was being dealt with so I've started a hashtag <laughs> that I want everyone to retweet is hashtag Darcy in Captain Marvel it's never right. too early. And there are multiple ways that that can be taken. But that's a bit. That's a bit. That's a bit long for a hashtag. Yeah, I don't you care. Need to work on it. Chip it down a bit. <laughs> I suppose it gets. You don't need to add anything to it. Yeah, exactly. Across. Just tweet the hashtag. Yeah. Okay. Um, a name that's. I mean, so looking at those three, I mean, they're. All, I mean, it's. It seems pretty clear that they are looking at definitely having a, a woman director, which obviously you know makes sense and and would be a good thing. And a bit overdue. Um, yeah, certainly. Um, much like it's overdue to have a female lead character in the first place. Yeah. Um, but interesting that that you know none of the names are certainly kind of major um, directors. You know, you've you've got a, a New Zealand director who hasn't really done much in the US, a TV director, and someone who's better known for writing. Um, although a name that's not on that list, but who I've heard is also linked. Um, well, she she was linked by Lexi Alexander, who herself is is apparently not on the list. But Lexi Alexander reckons that Rachel Talalay is on the list, <laughs> which um, obviously James, you will you will think of Rachel Talalay in terms of Tank Girl. Yes. I would have assumed absolutely. Um, but, but actually, recently she has been establishing herself as like one of the absolute top level directors in tv yeah um, because she's been doing a bunch of stuff in the u.s um but she directed um the um season finale two-parter of the last series of doctor who and one episode in particular heaven sent which was the episode that was a a one-hander with peter capaldi um which i think i don't think it's unreasonable to say is very probably the best directed episode of Doctor Who that there's ever been, um, and she's also doing some Sherlock coming up as well. Yeah, it's, um, so it's she's interesting kind of, and certainly in her... TV, she's kind of in demand. Yeah, it's interesting to see her career like going that way again. Like you, after Tank Girl, she's kind of had this like, second wind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I love Tank Girl, but yeah, by any reasonable sort of assessment, it's a career killing film. <laughs> So it's interesting <laughs> Which it to see. Which pretty much her. was, I mean. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, but you know, it's taken her twenty-five years to come back, but I'm happy she has. <laughs> but she, I mean, you know, certainly judging by recent evidence of stuff that she's done, she's um, a very good director, and yeah, um, yeah. certainly someone who I'd I'd like to see given that job. Um, mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, I'd pick her over any of the three on that list, certainly. Yeah, but you know, this is this is all leaks and speculation rather than anything firm. So. Um, but as as a Joe esque segue, um, one bit of director news that does seem to be actual confirmation rather than um, just speculation is that um, Doug Lyman is it Lyman or Lehman? 
I've always said Lyman. Um, is now shock horror um, not directing Gambit. Um, it's almost as if that Gambit film is never going to happen. Um, <laughs> that is the official, that is the podcast official stance on Gambit, by the way. Yeah. Which is the but, film yeah. is not happening ever. Gambit is not happening ever. Um, so he's moving on to another film which has always seemed like it has a definite chance of definitely happening. Um, which um, I believe what it's being referred to as now is Dark Universe. Um, but what it basically is is Justice League Dark. Yeah, like uh, if it does is... happen, there's no way they're going to call it Justice League Dark because that brand <laughs> cannot stand any dilution at the moment. Well, also, it, you, you can't really have Justice League Dark. It would have to be Justice League Even Dark. <laughs> um, but, I mean, to be honest, it was a terrible name for a comic in the first place. It, it launched as part of the New 52. And what it basically... I mean, I think they should have actually just called the comic something like Vertigo. Because what it basically was was them bringing several magic-themed characters who had been around. Well, some of them were older, but essentially, you know, they had a lot of them had peaked around the kind of late '80s in terms of popularity, and then they all moved over to Vertigo when the Vertigo imprint got created, because <laughs> that's where DC put all of their kind of supernatural and magical stuff. But then, as part of the New Fifty Two, Vertigo as a universe, in, while Vertigo does exist as a publishing imprint, it doesn't exist as a universe in inverted commas anymore. Um, so they just folded them all back into DC. So you're talking about John Constantine and Zatanna and is the Phantom Stranger in there and Madame Xanadu and Dead Man and just basically all the kind of mostly quite cool um, DC's magic-based characters banding together as a team. Um, it's a decent enough comic and basically ever since the comic launched it's been talked about as a possible movie. Um, but it's always been talked about in terms of Guillermo del Toro being attached who is obviously a pretty perfect choice to do this uh but apparently he's now not doing it and doug lyman is coming over to do it instead which you know i mean doug lyman you would probably describe as a sort of uh, what's the phrase don't want to say like um, jobbing <laughs> jobbing the like, future a, like, director. A, like a like a journeyman journeyman director, director. yeah like he's, um, but he he doesn't turn in trash i mean he's done some things that are i mean like genuinely I think Edge of Tomorrow oh, yeah, is yeah, going to yeah. stand as like one of the best non-superhero sci-fi action films of, oh, for of sure. like, this current era. It's a great, great film. Yeah, really I only watched is. it a couple of uh, couple of weeks ago, actually, and I was like blown yeah. away. I was like, oh, everyone was right, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I was kind of put off it by Tom Cruise because I yeah, can't that, stand I think Tom that's Cruise, a reason but... a lot of people held off on it. But actually, even Tom Cruise is great. It's like... Any external prejudices you might have um, about Tom Cruise because of the fact that he's a scary, um, high-ranking figure in a terrifying cult, um, but he is really, really great in that film and exactly, you know, the right kind of casting for it. And it's just, oh man, it's just like it, it's a movie that is like watching what it's like to play a video game. <laughs> it's just so well put together. Yeah. And, and I, um, I, what else did Doug Lyman do? I remember liking Go. Uh, Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, Jumper, which wasn't very yeah, good. Yeah, see, some of that, like, um, Mr. Swingers and was his debut. Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Smith, I liked, but always felt it could be about twice as good as it was. Like, it was okay. Mm. It felt like a waste of the concept. Mm. Like, so, there, you know, it, there are there are films at every tier on his slate, and he's never done anything that's a complete disaster, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so you know it could be fine I mean it's ju it's just the fact that I mean he's moved from one film that's definitely not going to happen to another film that I think 
probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. I just I struggle to see how you can really make that work. It does feel like something that would be better as a TV show. Um, yeah. I don't know if um, you know if it does happen. If if TV is John Constantine, uh, Matthew Ryan is going to make it over to <laughs> to play him in the movie as well. We could end up with our third live action John Constantine, or alternatively, they could always bring Keanu into it. If they brought back Keanu, that would be my <laughs> that would I would buy my ticket the day they announced it. It's going to be. I mean, again, we'll we will we will have to get to Constantine on the Constantine. <laughs> Constantine, sorry, yeah, the film is called Constantine. <laughs> and that's going to be an interesting one because that's, uh, I mean, not, don't want to spoil it too much, but that is a film that is simultaneously one of the worst adaptations of a comic, but also I really, really like it as a film. Just like if you forget that it's supposed to be a Hellblazer film, I think it's a great film and I think his character's really great in it and he's really great. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, I would see a Justice League Dark movie that had Keanu as John Constantine. <laughs> Because you're never going to get a perfect movie version or a perfect TV version of that character from the comic anyway. So, you know, you might as well. Um, But anyway, it's all irrelevant because the movie's definitely not happening. (laughs) But what it does do is it it moves Gambit even more into definitely not happening territory, I think. Um, what will we should we should have some kind of gamble on, and we we should kind of have like some kind of forfeit if the Gambit movie does actually ever get released. I mean, the forfeit is that we go and watch it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there is that um so you heard it here first if a gambit movie comes out we will watch it that's our promise to you on cinematic universe and if if the podcast has ended because the top by the time the gambit movie comes out the universe is in a slow heat death um we will still resurrect the podcast to to go and see it <laughs> okay so um probably one of the most talked about uh, pieces of news although again i think it is still kind of leaks and speculation rather than confirmed news um but it was a topic i think we were always going to cover so we we should in at least some way um is the sort of bubbling controversy around the fact that it now looks fairly certain that um zendaya is it zendaya or zendaya <laughs> again i've always said it's zendaya <laughs> so bad with names um <laughs> This this just proves how old we are because I gather that she is actually famous. Is, is she actually famous? Okay, <laughs> with, with the with the kids, she's famous with the young people. With someone. Um, okay. Uh, well, yeah. So it seems that Zendaya um, is very probably playing uh, Mary Jane Watson in Spider-Man: Homecoming, and as often happens in these situations, um, racists have decided to be annoyed about this. And come up with spurious justifications for their reasoning, um, and I've seen I've seen Dan Slott getting into arguments with people on Twitter about it. Although you know Dan Slott really needs to just generally not get into arguments with people <laughs> on Twitter because I don't think it's good for his blood pressure. No, um, and like there are people who are trying to say that because Mary Jane has visually always had red hair and been white, that that is an integral part of her character or whatever you want to call it. Um, Now, I think I can say with some certainty that if you, certainly if you combine me and James, then I, I I would be willing to bet that there are very few people, and Dan Slott is one of them, to be fair, who could speak more authoritatively on the subject of Spider-Man and Spider-Man <laughs> history than us. I don't want to big us up too much, and I'm not saying I know everything about Spider-Man in his entire 50-year history, but I think 
I think between us, we've got a pretty good handle of, of what's true and what's not true about Spider-Man that we can back up with actual historical knowledge. Yes. And so I would therefore like to say that it is the official position of this podcast and that anyone who disagrees with it is just flat out factually wrong, that there is absolutely nothing about the character or personality or history of Mary Jane Watson that has anything to do with her ethnicity or hair colour at all. It is just completely irrelevant to everything that makes her her character. You can describe, and I did this on Twitter, I went through and described what I think are the fundamental actual character points of MJ, both when she first appeared and then in the kind of various versions that she's gone through, because she has gone through changes in terms of being, you know, the kind of the party girl friend in those early kind of (laughs) Pete and Harry stories to being, you know wife of a superhero and how she deals with that and all of that yeah 90s mopey wife is not my favorite version of mj it's fair to say um and none of it like is changed in any way if she's not a red-haired white person no i mean the point the point worth remembering is that the re there's a there are a lot of characters with red hair in comics and it is because it was an easy color to print (laughs) like that is the reason mary jane had red hair because he already had a blonde girlfriend and already had a brunette girlfriend and needed another girlfriend. <laughs> I, I had noted on, on Twitter, actually, that it, it, it does seem interesting that of the various characters who, you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this at all, have been race-swapped recently. It does seem that an inordinate amount of them are redheads. It's like, why don't they change some of the blonde characters? Right, uh, a... <laughs> and I was mainly referring to uh, Wally West, Jimmy Olsen, and, and in this case, MJ. <laughs> However, it's, you know... As you say, I mean, yeah, there are reasons why characters have certain hair colours in comics. Also, there are reasons why um, so many characters are white in original Spider-Man comics, and it's because it's from the 1960s. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming is set in Queens. Queens is literally, I believe, like the most ethnically diverse urban area in the entirety of the United States. (laughs) Like... It is ridiculous, and actually, and I went back and looked looked at some of the high school scenes in uh, Amazing Spider-Man because I had a vague recollection of kind of what some of the scenes looked like. You know, like when he was kind of being when he was having his fight with Flash and when he was kind of in the corridor and stuff. And even in Amazing Spider-Man, that school is unrealistically white. <laughs> it really like they do have a few ethnic minority characters kicking around in the background, and I can understand like with that film. Obviously, you know, you've got Andrew Garfield as Peter and you've got the opportunity to have Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, so you do that. And then your only other character that who is a named character in the high school is Flash Thompson. I can understand in that scenario not making Flash Thompson black because then you've got a black guy who's the bully who's beating up on the hero. Mm-hmm. So I can understand the sensitivity around that because those films aren't concerned with like Peter's high school life, so they don't need to fill in any of the other characters. But just from a background point of view, I think still think that that school looks conspicuously like not mixed enough basically (laughs) um but you know homecoming is specifically focusing on peter at high school and is building this cast of characters around him and there's absolutely nothing wrong with several of them being a completely realistic ethnicity for the area of new york that they're living in um i mean the thing i always think with these like i don't want to use the word controversies because it's just like stupidity uh, like closed mind thinking is what what it actually is but like it always strikes me that it's only ever skin colour that people get upset about mm. like they can say it's hair colour or they can say it's something else but it's like for me 
there are, you can easily argue that one of Wolverine's defining character traits is that he's short. Because that's why he's called Wolverine, is because Wolverines are small and ferocious. Yeah. <laughs> and no one was like, this Hugh Jackman guy doesn't work as Wolverine because he's six foot. Like, exactly, yeah. it's just I mean, I nonsense. do remember it being commented on, but it certainly, there wasn't a fuss around. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, no one no one was doing, like, Hugh Jackman is not Wolverine.com or whatever. Yeah. So, and like, even, even like Matt Murdock, like, he's... You know, he is a redhead, but Charlie Cox is basically not. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't matter because, okay, maybe the redheadedness alludes to his Irish Catholic background. But even that, like, it's not Um, integral to the character. You can do versions of of it without that aspect of him. So Barry Allen's always been blonde. I've never seen anyone complain about Grand Gustin not being blonde yeah. in Flash. I just think know. if you're like if you're um, getting upset about that sort of thing, like don't just think about how how you've reacted to other changes yeah. and it will reveal perhaps prejudices that you should clean yourself of. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, you know, there I just I think people really are conflating this idea of of you know kind of Mary Jane, the kind of flame-haired supermodel, as you know, as, uh, people are trying to see it as this integral thing, and it's just, you know, it's it's it, it's less important than it is for the character of Pepper Potts, and it's only important for the character of Pepper Potts because of her name. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I have absolutely no idea what Zendaya is like as an actress and whether she's right for the the part of Mary Jane in that sense. Although, you know. Again, from from kind of looking at the cast members and stuff, um, she certainly seems like someone who would fit the bill for the character. I mean, we don't know what direction the film's going to take it, and I I, I kind of hope that actually what the film's going to do with this version of MJ is not immediately have her be the love interest, and instead play her the way she was in her early appearances. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be more interesting than just the kind of because that's the other thing, right? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 
the um, uh, Spider-Man 2002 movie completely changed the nature of Peter and MJ's entire relationship anyway by having them be next door neighbours who knew each other growing up and Peter had been in love with her all of his life. Now, admittedly, um, elements of that do come from Ultimate Spider-Man, but, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man was changing, like, a 30-year character history to do an alternative version. So if people weren't going to get bent out of shape about the character being changed to such a significant extent, and we've already talked on our Spider-Man episodes how Kirsten Dunst's MJ character-wise, there's so little relation to the MJ of the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, I so... mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, we've already had a very bad, unrecogn- <laughs> almost unrecognisable version of Mary Jane. Like, we went into this yeah. in, in some depth in the last two Spider-Man podcasts, so let's not go over it too much. But, like, the original MJ was a party girl, and the comics, the movie MJ was basically... Gwen Stacy, like, nice girl love interest. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they did they did reveal in the comics, didn't they, that Mary Jane was the girl next door. Yeah, that was the whole thing was that, yeah, because they, they had the retcon of, yeah. Yeah, um, the very she, stupid um, retcon. <laughs> that she always knew he was Spider-Man because she'd seen him climbing out the window one day. And yeah. Stuff, but... Um, but no, yeah, the, you know, the whole thing about him knowing who she was, you know, the whole point about when he first meets MJ is you have this running plot thread of um, <laughs> yeah. um, Aunt May's friend is trying to set him up on a blind date and he's not interested and he keeps not meeting her and then he finally does and you get the famous final page reveal, the, the tiger jackpot line. Um, again, I mean, I don't know if it was you who said on Twitter or maybe it was somebody else, it's like... You know, really, when you talk about defining characteristics of Mary Jane, actually, no, it was, I think it was somebody said it in reply to me when I was talking about the characteristics. All I really thought the defining characteristic of Mary Jane was was saying the word tiger a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to be. Like, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are to do that. <laughs> like, to be fair, what I've seen of Zendaya, she looks to me like she has the attitude of a young Mary Jane as I would imagine her. Mm. Like. The comics version has always been very forward and confident and that admittedly masks like problems at home or whatever. Yeah. But like that's that's her character and it's something the Kirsten Dunst version never really did. Whereas yeah. if you look at Zendaya, you think that's a character who is comfortable and confident with herself. Mm. So like I don't know what she's like as an actress, but purely on that level, there's nothing about her that makes me go, Well, she can't do MJ. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, we are we are in favour of this development so long as she turns out to be good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just I mean yeah, we don't need to get into it too much, but it's just it is obviously based in certain other prejudices and people are scrabbling to find the justification for it. But it's just yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but speaking as someone who probably knows these characters better than these people do. Um, the justification doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold any water whatsoever. And we know that as people who are listening to this podcast, you we're almost certainly preaching to the converted, and and you guys know as well how ridiculous it is. But um, I think we just wanted to get that one on record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so still in the uh, Marvel universe, but in the, in the purely Marvel universe rather than the the Marvel Sony crossover. Um, although actually, well, we're not certain if this is technically in the Marvel Universe because I'm not sure it's going to count as canonical, but it's very excellent <laughs> anyway. Um, we've just had released um, a special 
feature. I think it's actually it's one of the special features for the Civil War release, but Marvel seem to be doing a thing now of actually putting the bonus features out digitally um, and using it to using some of them to actually push the digital release to promote. Yeah, the it was shown release. at Comic Con as well, the, wasn't it? Yeah, and that, yeah, because it was um, it was recorded, it was filmed during the filming of, of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I should say what we're talking about, which is the this bonus feature for Civil War, uh, which is basically what Thor was doing during Civil War. Um, but yeah, I, just, I do find it interesting now that they've realised that so few people buy DVDs and Blu-rays now that special features have to become a, a digital thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a funny little short. Um, obviously just done as a little gag thing as i say you know while while they were off filming ragnarok and that's also why um mark ruffalo is in it as well yeah i mean it reminds Um, me of the one shots they used to do which were excellent and sadly dried up recently yeah um yeah i mean have they done one since have they done one since agent carter oh um return of the king was after that wasn't it yeah i think that was the last one return of the king yeah Um, yeah the um Trevor, yeah, I Slattery think that was one. on. Um, can't remember what it was on, but they haven't done one for the for the last few releases. So, yeah, it's good um, that they now it's... have. <laughs> yeah, um, and it is, but it's basically it's just Thor hanging out in Australia, having moved in with a guy uh, who's played by an actor called Daley Pearson, um, who I think uh, I think previous podcast guest Andrew Ellard has been working with him recently because he 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 mentioned him on Twitter that that he was in this guy. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, it's just very silly and very funny because it's just it's doing the really obvious but always works thing of putting a character like Thor in a normal everyday environment. Um, and it's just got so many ridiculous, silly little gags in it. Um, and um, Chris Hemsworth hasn't quite got his accent up to scratch in it, like he he does lapse Australian quite a bit in it, so you can tell it's obviously in in a bit of downtime from filming. Um, but it's just really funny. Um, it's The reason why it may not be canonical is simply by... Well, no, it definitely isn't canonical. Firstly, because it's ludicrous. And secondly, <laughs> uh, because Bruce Banner's in it as well. But it's supposed to be taking place during Civil War, but Bruce Banner's in it. Ah, that doesn't um, mean it's not canonical. <laughs> I think as, it probably does. As far, no, he has a phone call from Tony Stark. Who is yeah. presumably telling him, like, stay in New Zealand or stay in Australia? <laughs> so we reckon that, that that canonically, Tony knows where Hulk is. And so Hulk hasn't, you know, disappeared in his jet, but Tony knows where he is. Yeah. And is just not telling everybody else. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it could be. It could be canonical. Um, but either way, it also means that Thor knows. If it is canonical, it means Thor knows about Thanos because that's. Well, that was probably my favourite joke in the whole thing, actually, which I was. <laughs> it's on YouTube, so you know, it's not like you have to buy anything to get it. You can go and watch it on YouTube, and it's on Marvel's Twitter and stuff. Um, it's you've probably, to be honest, you're listening to this podcast. You've seen it already. So we don't even <laughs> need to tell you about it. Um, but it's very good. Um, and we've had some pictures from filming of Thor. Uh, yeah, Thor I mean, there's Ragnarok. a potential spoiler in one of those pictures. So if you don't want to hear a potential spoiler for Thor Ragnarok, like skip ahead a minute or so. But yeah, it's in terms of character appearance, which yeah. is that uh, Doctor Strange is in it. Um, also, I didn't know if Loki was definitely in it as well, but it also confirms that Loki... Maybe it was already confirmed that Loki was in Ragnarok. I mean, I mean it would they be mad couldn't if he do wasn't. it without him, could they? Yeah, no. exactly. But it does confirm that he definitely is. But you've got 
Thor and Loki in civilian clothes in what I think is New York or is it? I believe it is New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which and and some newspaper headlines with Thor on them and and Loki on them, which looks interesting. This feels to me like stuff that's going to be from like late in the film, like setting up future stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know so little about what's going on with Ragnarok anyway, but it feels to me like something that's going to be from after whatever happens with the main... Yeah, I mean, if you remember the status quo at the end of Dark World is that Loki is dead and... or Thor believes Loki is dead and he's impersonating Odin. So this comes from presumably quite far. I wonder if the end of the movie or any part of the movie even is going to involve the... Like, there was a famous Neil Gaiman pitch for Thor, which was that the Asgardians, having gone through Ragnarok, are incarnated on Earth as sort of regular humans. Mm. Um, And I I wonder if that's what's going on there. Mm. Like, that would explain why they're in civilians. I believe there's a thing about how Anthony Hopkins is going to be a sort of, like, crazy Burmin New York you oh, right. think like people just think he's like he thinks he's Odin because he's crazy, but he actually is. So I mean, so kind of like what Mark Miller ended up doing with with Ultimate <laughs> <Yeah>. Thor. <laughs> so if they do that, yeah. that would be quite interesting. Yeah, that could be, and it would be. It, I guess it would be a way of having Thor and indeed everyone related to Thor off the table until it's time War, yeah. to bring them back for um, either the first or second part yeah. of the Yeah, and War. you can imagine yeah. like that would tie in with Doctor Strange as well like, you know, mm. if he's lost his powers and he needs to needs to talk to someone mystical, that's your guy <laughs> Yeah I wonder if it'll make me care about Doctor Strange <laughs> I don't know, listen, I mean you know, the film's coming out soon, it could be fantastic I, I could be absolutely eating my words after it, and, you know, I could go and see Doctor Strange and it could turn out to be like it could it could turn out to be as surprisingly enjoyable as Ant Man was. To be fair, um, I would have said the same about Thor. Like, yeah, you know, true. Before that came out, eight years ago, yeah. I was going, eh, I don't really care about Thor, and now I'm like, oh, it's Thor. <laughs> yeah. So you know, true. Oh, actually, while while we're on Thor, we should say Natalie Portman has also confirmed that she is done with Marvel. Yes. Which, Although... in my opinion, is two movies too late. <laughs> Well, it does feel a little bit like it feels a little more like when you get dumped by someone and then you say that you didn't really fancy them anyway. Um, <laughs> well, she n- I... she never wanted to like she wanted out pretty yeah. much during the first Thor movie. She was like, "Why am I here?" And in the second one, yeah. she was like, "Why am I here?" <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know, as I say, I mean, I I don't know if they would have had much intent to bring the character back anyway based on how things had gone previously it is interesting that she's come out to com- basically confirm that she's not going to do any more um, it will be interesting to see how they deal with the Thor and Jane thing but I think I think the answer will be to quickly move Thor on um, probably to Valkyrie um, but you know given the way that they've they've had jane in the background and had her be talked about in the avengers films um yeah i mean there was yeah. a rumor going it's around like, for a it, while that in age of ultron like was going to have a scene where thor talks about being dumped by jane but <laughs> that didn't materialize like not yeah. whether they shot it whether it was in the script and they changed it like it you know it never turned up so um farewell jane foster we barely knew you um but hopefully your intern will stick around. <laughs> Hashtag Darcy and Captain Marvel. 
Um, so yeah, we should we should uh, bob. I was going to say back over to DC, yeah, because we did talk about Justice League Dark, but we should bob back over to DC for a couple of quick things. Um, I did talk about um, how Suicide Squad was doing quite well um, the last time um, I... Oh, it did. Actually, yeah, I said earlier that we hadn't done a news roundup, but we did do it. I did do a, a news roundup on, on the last minisode. Um, but um, even by the time I... having I recorded that at a point when Suicide Squad had made about 300 million. By the time we released it, it had already hit about 500 million, so that was already out of date, and it's now topped 600 million. So... It is actually edging. To, well, I don't think it will hit them now because we are in in the later phase. But it's, it's edged its way towards Guardians of the Galaxy numbers. Um, so you know, um, it's certainly not a flop. And despite um, you know the reviews, the marketing campaign, including I don't know if anyone else keeps getting a promoted tweet with a quote on it that looks like it's come from a review. But if you Google the quote and the word Suicide Squad, all you get are links to the Twitter feed and the official Facebook page. So they've made up a review quote for Suicide Squad. But however they've done it, that marketing campaign has worked and people have gone to see that film. And, you know, it's not had a main, it's not had Deadpool levels of sustaining it in terms of the word of mouth meaning that people keep going. But people have been going to see it and the negative reviews haven't really put people off well he did so. david ayer did make it did make it for the fans by which he yeah. means people <laughs> with no critical faculties <laughs> yeah we i mean we could you know um but we could spend all kinds of time talking about this but this idea that um <laughs> i always find it patronizing when they say oh we didn't make it for the critics we made it for the fans because what you're basically saying is yeah we made it for people who give us money no matter what dross we turn out <laughs> But yeah. it's, you I know, mean, I get. Dead, I can't Deadpool remember if I've done this for the fans, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, also actually good. Yeah, <laughs> like I can't remember if you've done this rant before because I do it a lot. But there is not a single critic out there who doesn't fucking love movies. Like yeah, exactly, you don't become a critic unless you want movies to be good. Yeah, and with the odd exception, like superhero movies are enough of an established thing now that anyone who gets sent to review a superhero movie probably is already inclined to like them if they're good. Mm-hmm. You know, you might get the odd example where, like, The Guardian or someone will have somebody review one who their default stance is, there are too many of these movies and they're shit and I'm above it all. But in general, like, you know, um, someone like, you know, a Robbie Collin or a Chris Hewitt or people like that. Even Mark Commode. who are in... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mark Commode. You know, he... I bloody loved Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like there are people who like these films who can still review them with critical faculties, you know? <laughs> including us. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So Suicide Squad. I mean, I don't know if there'll be a Suicide Squad two, but there'll definitely be a Harley Quinn movie. Mm-hmm. I think is is will be the main. I'd be surprised if Will Smith hasn't got some some option somewhere as well. Like yeah, they'd want him back. They may not want Jared Leto back. Yeah. um, Especially seeing as he seems intent on burning his bridges. I think he seems to have done what a lot of people like us have done and assumed that the film was going to be a flop based on those early reviews. (laughs) And done his best to dissociate himself, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so he's he's disassociated himself from it before it became apparent that it's actually a hit. (laughs) So now he's a bit stuck. Um, But from the sound of it, because I still haven't seen it, um, it doesn't sound like that's going to be a great loss. I can't wait for to you to genre. see it. You should do a special podcast just on that. <laughs> I should, yeah. Maybe. Maybe that'll be our next special. <laughs> uh, 
and we've had the first trailer for the 50th anniversary celebration of Batman 66, which is an animated original movie um, called Return of the Cape Crusaders, and it actually features Adam West and Burt Ward as the voices of Batman and Robin. Which sounds great, uh, yeah. which sounds except great for the fact that idea. it sounds bad. Yeah, it would have been maybe better to do it in like the 70s or the 80s, <laughs> um, although I don't know what state Burt Ward was in around that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, they don't sound like the Batman and Robin of old, but um, it doesn't seem to bother people who listen to um, Doctor Who audio dramas that have actors from 30 odd years ago trying to play the same characters. Um, I think this one, I think if they get the tone right and if it's anything like the Batman 66 comics, this one could be good fun. Hopefully they won't do a killing joke and retcon some horrendous Batman and Batgirl sex scene into it. <laughs> Because uh, particularly with with Adam West doing the voice, I think that would be. I mean, legitimately, terrifying. I watched the trailer and I just thought the time the timeliness is all wrong because it's like they haven't. It looks to me like they haven't recorded it as live, like they've just gone into the studio separately and recorded their lines. So there's not much uh, chemistry. Like maybe that's just for the promo trailer. I don't know, but yeah, my impression of it was like these are two very old actors sort of struggling to do a medium they're not necessarily known for like i know adam west has done some uh yeah. animation and stuff animation work, yeah you know but he's never been asked to carry something like this so yeah we'll see i mean i uh, imagine we'll cover it for the podcast maybe even yeah I maybe mean, even when it comes out like it's depend it you know depending a... on how busy it is when it happens when it gets released I mean, people have asked us if we're ever going to do, um, you know, one of one of the DC original movies after we did Planet Hulk, and I think we sort of we I think we were non-committal about whether we might look at Killing Joke, and then obviously all of that controversy happened with Killing Joke, and I, I think I just don't think any of us wanted to even watch the thing. Um, I think if we were going to do one, if we were going to do one of the Batman ones, um, this could be an interesting one to do. So we may pencil that one in for. Is it due out later this year? Uh, I didn't it must spot be sorry. Quite soon. I mean, it, it will be daft not to do it in 2016 if it's for Batman 66, because it would be 50th anniversary <laughs> if they do it this year. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's Return of the Cape Crusaders, which could be awful or could be a bit of fun. Okay, so we'll quickly rattle through a, a few more pieces just to round off because we have gone on, I think, for longer than we expected to. Um, Vin Diesel has revealed that the Guardians of the Galaxy will be in Avengers fin- Infinity War, which isn't really a surprise. Because... <laughs> Surprising no one besides Marvel's <laughs> lawyers. Yeah. Um, so, great, basically, I think is the answer to that. Um, unless, as as I speculated worryingly on a recent podcast, if it turned out that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was dreadful, that would just be the worst thing. No. That's not going to happen. That's not gonna no happen. chance. Yeah. Um, uh, we're very close to getting Luke Cage. Um, I think there are... Um, why, so why have you mentioned that there are junkets? Because <laughs> I want to say there are junkets in two weeks and uh, Netflix is sending me to Paris to cover them. Okay, so James <laughs> is going to Paris to cover Luke Cage junkets. So I just wanted to break. I... <laughs> um, and it, so it's going to be released on the 30th of September. Yeah, actually, I mean, I am, I'm sneakily hoping to record the roundtable so I can make you stick them out on the podcast, but I'll see what happens. Cool, so that will be... Um, I think even as someone who... Um, you know hasn't been as fond of the netflix stuff i did enjoy that luke cage trailer and i think that's one that 
I'll be inclined to give the first episode a go in a way that I probably won't be with Iron Fist. <laughs> we shall see. I'm very excited. Yeah, 30th of September, that drops on Netflix. Um, and finally, something that a show that I think we've maybe mentioned once in passing on this podcast, which shows the level of interest in it, uh, but Powers has been cancelled. Powers, the Sony PlayStation exclusive. I think it was on FX over here, but it was in the US, it was PlayStation um has been cancelled um nobody was really watching it apparently the second season they actually did the the storyline they I think they did a bit of a preacher and the first season was actually kind of like a prequel to the story that you get in the comics and then in the second season they did the story that was the first volume of the comics <laughs> um but it doesn't matter because nobody was watching it um, yeah, the mean... problem with powers is if they'd done a tv show like in about 2005 when the comic was still good and interesting then Maybe that might Maybe if they'd done it before though. Heroes as well, because that was what it needed to be, really, wasn't it? That kind yeah. of show. Um, so, yeah, that's a shame for anyone who was a fan of that. But, I mean, if you were watching Powers, feel free to give us a shout and tell us what you thought of it. But as I say, you know, I'm I'm someone who, who likes Brian Mockabendis comics, and even I never bothered even seeking out the first episode of Powers. <laughs> I mean, I just, I want to tell PlayStation, like, it's okay if you're not making TV. Like, not everyone has to make yeah. TV. It's like when <laughs> Yahoo made Community. And then they did that, and then, like, a year later went, uh, we're shutting down our TV division because we don't really know what we're doing. Well, the problem with PlayStation TV was that it was only available on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, and it's like, even, you know, Amazon have their exclusive stuff, but you can watch Amazon Prime Video on devices that aren't made by Amazon. <laughs> um, and I think that's something that Sony didn't really think about when doing their, their <laughs> own... Uh, content you know all all other content providers are device agnostic um apart from itunes but they don't do original content so yeah okay so that is basically uh i think pretty much all of the (laughs) news from the last couple of weeks certainly all, all of the news that we you know noticed and thought was worth covering i'm sure joe will have spotted other things while he's away that he'll chastise us for not covering um, but before we go, we'll just quickly, um, as we mentioned, we uh, were given the suggestion uh, by a listener, Louis Strong, to do some recommendations. Um, well, I mean, he said for comics that don't have film adaptations, so wouldn't be recommended otherwise. Obviously, a lot of the things that we recommend don't have film adaptations themselves, because that's part of you know, what we do is recommend something tangentially related. But I think there are some comics that we feel we can't see where the opportunity would be to give us an excuse to recommend them. And you guys know that, like, we'll take a pretty tenuous excuse to recommend <laughs> something that we want to recommend. But with these, I think we may never find the excuse. So what we're going to do is we're each going to very quickly um, give a recommendation for something that we we think, if you're, int- if you, if you're the kind of person who listens to our recommendations and goes out and reads them, uh, maybe give these comics a look. So, James, what is yours? Yeah, mine is... It's actually, it's the, like, it ended up, I was unable to appear on the Scott Pilgrim podcast. But this is the comic I would have recommended for that, which is a manga series called Genshiken, which is kind of a a slice of life, sort of romantic comedy manga about a bunch of nerds in their university club. Um, It's kind of like Scott Pilgrim without the fighting and like it's not the sort of i can't imagine there's a film we'd get to that we would in any way 
be able to recommend it like not after scott pilgrim and that would have been tenuous at best so i'd like to just say to anyone like if you if you want to read something sort of non-superhero-y but still relatable like that's it's one of my favorite series and it's been going for years like it's more recently it's become very strange um and moved quite far from its origins but the first the original run like the first nine volumes are some of the like most engaging funny like emotional comics that i've read pretty much ever and i think you know i'd like to see more people reading it so that's that's my recommendation for just if you want to read a comic that's one i might thrust in into your hands okay um so for mine and this is one where there may come a point where i could tenuously recommend this in relation to one of the characters who appears in it somewhere but um it's certainly not something that will ever be adapted um i w- actually won't go into too much detail about it because i am going to write or i'm writing at the moment an article for the site um it's going to be the next one in my comics that I think should be made into movies or TV shows, and here's how. Um, but for those who don't read the website, which I'm sure there are some of you who don't, <laughs> um, it's um, it's Hitman, which is from the uh, mid to late 90s. It's the other great Garth Ennis series. I mean, well, Garth Ennis has a few like great series, but the striking thing is that he was actually doing Hitman pretty much exactly at the same time that he was doing Preacher. Like, the the two ran pretty much concurrently. So, between about 1996 and about 2000, 2001, like, Garth Ennis was writing the two best comics around. Um, because there are some, and I'm, I think I'm among them, who would even put Hitman above Preacher. Um, it's not dissimilar in terms of some of its character stuff and some of its themes and what it's about, because it's a Garth Ennis comic, so um, it's about people who kill other people and it's about male loyalty and comradeship and friendship and it has war story flashbacks and uh it has themes of irish identity uh, in this case irish american identity um but what's unusual about it is the fact that it's set in the dc universe and specifically it's set in gotham city um, and it's about Tommy Monaghan, who is a hitman who gets imbued with superpowers actually as part of a really bad early 90s DC crossover called Bloodlines. <laughs> um, and um, Ennis and the artist John McRae were actually on a run of a character called The Demon, and they introduced Tommy out of that he was you know he first appears in a in a demon annual as part of the bloodlines crossover and it was then and then he appeared like in a couple of sort of one shots and specials before he then got his own series um so the interesting thing about it being set in gotham is basically tommy gets these superpowers he has like x-ray vision and he can read minds although he doesn't tend to use his powers that much and he decides to only take on hitman contracts um that involve metahumans essentially um, so he's not like he's not a baddie like he I mean you know he is a killer but he's th- even before getting his powers he's been a hitman who he only considers people who he himself thinks are bad so he doesn't go around shooting heroes but he will go around shooting superpowered villains um, and this does lead him to cross paths with the likes of Batman um, and Catwoman <laughs> in one quite memorable art. I was going to say it has um, the one of the all time funniest Batman <laughs> moments. <laughs> Are you talking about him throwing up on Batman's shoes, or are you talking about the cat signal? Uh, it's the throwing on, throwing up on Batman's <laughs> shoes. But yeah, the cat signal is also <laughs> like great. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I've read a bit of Hitman, and I always mean to go back and look at more of it because it's probably 
Like, I'm not a huge Ennis fan, but of everything I've read of his, it's my favourite thing. Yeah. It's also, it's got an arc that brings in the Carl Rayner Green Lantern and just makes... I'm amazed that DC let him get away with taking the current Green Lantern <laughs> and making him a merciless figure of fun for six issues. <laughs> does, it, does it do any uh, worse than Frank Miller did in All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder? Oh, maybe not actually. Yeah, no, I think. Yeah, but that was out of continuity. So, but it's yeah, it's close. There is a line where Carl Rayner gets described as a Keanu-looking goof with a magic ring, which I think about sums up Carl Rayner. Um, but the interesting thing about it actually is that it, it kind of starts off with this, you know, relentless kind of. It's it's a violent, silly comedy. Basically, it has that kind of tone. Um, and I can see why that's kind of off-putting to some people. But then it gradually shifts the tone as it goes on. And it does still have the jokes and it does still have the lightness of touch. But about halfway through the series, it reaches a point where you can see that Ennis has decided he's going to start pushing it towards an end game, And also that he's started really caring about the characters. And all of a sudden, it starts to just edge in a more and more kind of tragic direction. And as I say, you know, it does still have the kind of the lightness and the weirdness. But... Um, you know, it turns into a big old character-driven drama where bad things happen to characters that you really like and it goes, you know, towards a pretty inevitable conclusion. Um, it's just, it's an awesome series, kind of pretty much all the way through. There's a couple of arcs um, or issues that I'm slightly less keen on, but, um, like, the main reason I prefer it over Preacher is that I think Tommy is a more engaging lead character than Jesse Custer. Um, and like Preacher, it has a great supporting cast of characters. Um it does kind of make fun of superheroes, but then it also, about halfway through the series, has a single issue with Superman in it that is one of the best Superman stories ever told, in which Ennis is completely respectful of Superman because he's like the one superhero that Ennis likes. And in fact, you know, even if you don't necessarily want to go and read the series Hitman and start it from the beginning, go and find issue 34. It's completely self-contained and standalone. It won an Eisner um, <laughs> for the best single issue that year. Um, and it is just like it is up there in like the top 10 or even five Superman stories ever in terms of completely nailing the character of Superman. It's just Superman having a conversation on a rooftop with Tommy for the entire issue, and it's fantastic. Um, so, yes, I would recommend reading all of Hitman. I think it's all on like Comixology and stuff, but if nothing else, go and read that one issue. I will. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't have Joe now to go right. Well, so I actually have to segue from my own recommendation into doing that, because um, yeah, that I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this bonus episode. Um, so we will be back next week with an episode of some kind, but we haven't entirely decided what that'll be yet. It will be in probably another kind of fill in. And then hopefully after then, I think Joe will finally have returned from his ridiculously long honeymoon. Um, and we'll actually get back to doing regular episodes. We we did we left the post credit sting on the Batman one that led into what was supposed to be our next pre record, but I think we'll just do as an ordinary episode next time, uh, which is the um, uh, I've forgotten the actor's name. David Hasselhoff. Was it gone out of my head? Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury Agent of Shield. So you can all look forward to that one. <laughs> Just like we will. Hasn't it been roughly a year since we did Howard the Duck, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So. so it's it's about time we went back into those kind of waters. <laughs> 
Um, but until then, you can find more episodes of the podcast at cinematicmultiverse.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or any other podcast app of choice. Um, you, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, we're on Twitter, at CU underscore podcast. Uh, you can send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. No one ever does that. Um, no, they don't. Uh, but you can if you want to. It'd be nice to hear from you. Um, I've re- I'm doing this end spiel off the top of my head from all <laughs> the times well. I've heard Joe do yeah. it. Um, but I've remembered that I've left out that also you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematicuniverse, as several fine people do, which really helps with the, uh, the running costs of the podcast and all of that. And we appreciate that support. Uh, but we also appreciate those of you who listen without supporting on Patreon. Um, everyone who listens, we are very appreciative of. So thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, and thanks for listening to this one. And we'll see you next week. See you. <laughs>